0: Complete Works of Swami Vivekananda, 38th Session, The Philosophy of Ishwara Om Shri Guru Bjo Namaha Harihi Om Shri Ganesha Janamaha Dr. Krishna Murthy Shastri Dambe Poonachah Bantwal Thalakudakshin Karanajillel, Karnataka, India, Bharat. Who is Ishwara? Janma Adhyas Jataha. From whom is the birth, continuation and dissolution of the universe? He is Ishwara, the eternal, the pure, the ever-free, the almighty, the all-knowing, the all-merciful, the teacher of all teachers. And above all, sa Ishwaraha aniruvachaniyaha premasvarupaha. He is the Lord. He, The Lord is, of his own nature, inexpressible love. These certainly are the definitions of a personal God. Are there then two gods, the not this, not this, the Ananda, the existence, knowledge, bliss of philosopher, and this god of love of the Bhakta? No. It is the same Ananda who is also the god of love, the impersonal and personal in one. It has, al- it has always to be understood that the personal god worshipped by the Bhakta is not separate or different from the Brahman. All is Brahman, the one without a second. Only the Brahman, as unity or absolute, is too much of an abstraction to be loved and worshipped. So the Bhakta chooses the relative aspect of Brahman, that is Ishvara, the supreme ruler. To use a simile, Brahman is as the clay or substance out of which an infinite variety of articles are fashioned. As clay, they are all one, but form or manifestation differences, differentiates them. Before every one of them was made, they all existed potentially in the clay, and of course, they are identical substantially. But when formed, and so long as the form remains, they are separate and different. The clay mouse can never become a clay elephant, because as manifestations, form alone makes them what they are, though as unformed clay they are all one. Ishwara is the highest manifestation of the absolute reality or in other words the highest possible reading of the absolute by the human mind. Creation is eternal and so also is Ishwara. In the fourth pada of the fourth chapter of his sutras, after stating the almost infinite power and knowledge which will come to the liberated soul after the attainment of moksha, Vyasa makes the remark, in an aphorism that none, however, will get the power of creating, ruling and dissolving the universe because that belongs to God alone. In explaining the Sutra, it is easy for the dualistic commentators to show how it is ever impossible for a subordinate soul jiva to have the infinite power and total independence of God. The thorough dualistic commentator Madhvacharya deals with this passage in, the, in his usually usual summary method by quoting a verse from the Varaha Purana. In explaining this aphorism, the commentator Ramanuja says, this doubt being raised whether among the powers of the liberated souls is included that unique power of the Supreme One that is of creation, etc., of the universe and even the lordship of all, or whether without that the glory of the liberated consists only in the direct perception of the Supreme One, we get as an argument the following. It is reasonable that the liberated get the leadership or lordship of the universe because the scriptures say he attains and uh, to extreme sameness with the supreme one and all his desires are realized now extreme sameness and realization of all desires cannot be attained without the unique power of the supreme lord namely that of governing the universe therefore to attain the realization of all desires and the extreme sameness with the supreme we must all admit that the liberated get the power of ruling the whole universe to this we reply that the liberated get all the powers except that of ruling the universe. Ruling the universe is guiding the form and life and the desires of all the sentient and the non sentient beings. The liberated ones from from whom all that veils his true nature has been removed only enjoy the unobstructed perception of the Brahman, but do not possess the power of ruling the universe. This is proved from the scriptural text, from whom all these things are born, by which all that are born live, and to whom they depart in return, ask about it. That is Brahman. If this quality of ruling the universe be a quality common even to the liberated, then this text would not apply as a definition of Brahman defining him through his rulership of the universe. The uncommon attributes alone define a thing. Therefore, the uh, in texts like my beloved boy, alone in the beginning there existed the one without a second. That saw the and felt. I will give birth to the many. That projected heat. Brahman indeed alone existed in the beginning. That one evolved. That projected a blessed form, the kshatra. All these gods are kshatras, varuna, soma, Indra, Rudra. Uh, Parjanya, Yama, Mrutyu, Ishana. Atman indeed existed alone in the beginning, nothing else li- uh, vibrated. He thought of projecting the world. He projected the world after. Alone Narayana existed neither Brahma nor Ishwara nor the Jyavaprasvi uh, nor the stars nor water nor fire nor soma nor the sun. He did not take pleasure alone. He after his meditation had one daughter and uh, ten organs etc. And in others as who living in the earth is separate from the earth, who living in the Atman, etc. The Shrutis speak of the Supreme One as the subject of the work of ruling the universe. Nor in these descriptions of the ruling of the universe is there any position uh, for the liberated soul by which such a soul may have the ruling of universe ascribed to it. In explaining the next sutra, Ramanuja says, if you say it is not so, because there are direct texts in the Vedas in evidence of, to the contrary, these texts refer to the glory of the liberated in the spheres of the subordinate deities. This also is an easy solution of the difficulty, although the system of Ramanuja admits the unity of the total within that totality of existence there are, according to him, eternal differences. Therefore, for all practical purposes, this system also being dualistic, it was easy for Ramanuja to keep the distinction between the personal soul and the personal God very clear. We shall now try to understand what the great representative of the Advaita school has to say on the point. We shall see how the Advaita system maintains all the hopes and aspirations of the dualistic intact and at the same time propounds its own solution of the problem in consonance with the high destiny of divine humanity. Those who aspire to retain uh, retain their individual mind even after liberation and to remain distinct will have ample opportunity of realizing their aspirations and enjoying the blessings of the qualified Brahman. These are they who have been spoken of in the Bhagavata Purana thus, O King, such are the glorious qualities of the Lord that the sages who only pleasure is in the self, and from whom all fetters have fallen off, even they love the omnipresent with the love that is for love's sake. These are they who are spoken of by the Sankhya's as getting merged in nature in the cycle, so that, after attaining perfection, they may come out in the next as lots of world systems, but none of these ever becomes equal to God or Ishvara. Those who attain to that state where there is neither creation nor created nor creator, where there is neither knower nor knowable nor knowledge, whether there is neither I nor thou nor he, where there is neither subject nor object nor relation, there who is seen by whom? Such persons have gone beyond everything to where words cannot go nor mind. Gone to that which the is declare as not this, not this. But for those who cannot or will not reach this state, there will inevitably remain uh, the true vision of the one undifferentiated Brahman as nature, soul, and interpreting sustainer of both Ishvara. So, when Prahlada forgot himself, he found neither the universe nor its cause. All was to him one infinite, undifferentiated by name and form. But as soon as he remembered that he was Prahlada, there was the universe before him and with it the lord of the universe, the repository of an infinite number of blessed qualities. So, it was with the blessed gopis, so long as they had lost a sense of their own personal identity and individuality, they were all Krishnas. And when they began again to think of him as the one to be worshipped, worshipped, then they were gopis again and immediately, tasam avirabhut shaurihi, smayamana mukhaambu jaha, pitambara dharaha, sragvi, sakshan manmatha manmatha in Bhagavata. Unto them appeared Krishna with a smile on his lotus face clad in yellow robes and having garlands on and embodied conqueror in beauty of the God of love. Now to go back to our Acharya Shankara, those, he says, who by worshipping the qualified Brahman attain conjunction with the supreme ruler, preserving their own mind is their glory limited or unlimited. This doubt arising we get as an argument. Their glory should be li- unlimited because of these scriptural texts. They attain their own kingdom. To him all the gods offer worship. Their desires are fulfilled in all the worlds. As an answer to these, Vyasa writes, without the power of ruling the universe, barring the power of creation etc. of the universe, the other powers such as uh, anima etc. are acquired by the liberated. As to ruling the universe, that belongs to the eternally perfect Ishwara. Why? Because he is the subject of all the scriptural texts as regards creation, etc. and the liberated souls are not mentioned therein in any connection whatsoever. The Supreme Lord indeed is alone engaged in ruling the universe. The texts as to creation, etc. all point to him. Besides, there is given the adjective ever perfect also the scriptures say that the powers anima etc of the others are from the search after and worship of god therefore they have no place in the ruling of the universe again on account of their possessing their own minds it is impossible that their wills may differ and that while one desires creation another may desire destruction the only way of avoiding this conflict is to make all wills subordinate to some one will therefore the conclusion is that the wills of the liberated are dependent on the will of the Supreme Ruler. Bhakti then can be directed towards Brahman only in his personal aspect. The way is more difficult for those whose mind is attached to the Absolute. Gitacharya told bhakti has to float on smoothly with the current of our nature. True it is that we cannot have any idea of the Brahman which is not anthropomorphic, but is it not equally true of everything we know? The greatest psychologist, the world has ever known Bhagawan Kapila. Demonstrated ages ago that human consciousness is one of the elements in the makeup of all the objects of our perception and conception, internal as well as external. Beginning with our bodies and going up to Ishwara, we may see that every object of our perception is this consciousness plus something else, whatever that may be. And this unavoidable mixture is that we ordinary ordinarily think us uh, think of as reality. Indeed, it is and E ev- uh, ever will be all of the reality that is possible for the human mind to know. Therefore, to say that Ishwara is unreal because he is an anthropomorphic is a sheer nonsense. It sounds very much like the occidental squabble in idealism on idealism and realism, which fearful looking quarrel has for its foundation a mere play on the world, world real. The idea of Ishwara covers all the ground ever denoted and connoted by the words real and Ishwara is as real as anything else in the universe and after all the word real means nothing more than what has now been pointed out. Such is our philosophical conception of Ishwara according to Swami Vivekananda. So this ends the thirty-eighth session in complete works of Swami Vivekananda about this is about the principle of Ishvara. Hari Rama, Shri Vivekananda Arpitamastu, Loka Samastas, Sukhino Tat